Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This will be episode 194, Why Negative Moods Spark Creativity. Now, I've gotten some, like they say in the military, I've gotten some chatter about this subject, you know, in the recent, in the recent past. But also, it's, it's a common, it's a common thought for a lot of writers. They wonder, and I, I was no different. You wonder why does it seem like if I'm in the doldrums, you know, if I'm down in the basement, if I'm upset about something or even frustrated, why can I be more creative than when I'm happy or when things are are going well, so to speak? Well, there definitely are reasons for this, and we're going to go over those in this show to kind of give you an idea. Now, the first thing to keep in mind is, like I mentioned the other in the other show uh, a few weeks back, you you don't want to run to the fire just to just to prove that you know your hand can burn, and there's nothing out there saying that if you intentionally get yourself in some kind of flushed situation that now you're going to be super creative. Okay, so this isn't some trick formula. I get myself mad, I write you know the Raven Part Two. No, it's not like that. Okay. This is all quite organic and, and definitely natural in terms of how it operates and what, what it works in you, okay? So it's not really something you need to jump off a cliff so you can see heaven. I mean, you might reach heaven, but I don't know about if you're going to be uh, seeing it through this process. So just try to keep that in mind, all right? All right, now the first thing, and you know, sometimes you use quotes. They help the shows. They kind of help uh, bring us back to... Uh, uh, a short way to, uh, of understanding what we're trying to say in the, in the bigger picture. Now, this is a Chinese uh, uh, proverb, and sometimes proverbs they they have a, an enormous amount of meaning and wisdom in, in just a short uh, sentence, and it really helps understanding a lot about negative uh, moods and how they spark creativity. All right, here we go. A stone is not polished without friction, nor is a person perfected without adversity and really is true i mean you you know they they used to laugh about you know you you can't really appreciate heaven until you go through hell all right that's that certainly has some some real truth to it but it's like anything else i mean you you learn a lot more from losing uh in the athletic way before you really can appreciate the victory that you do finally get not to mention that oftentimes you can't get to that victory until you've gone through losses, until those losses have helped you become a stronger person, uh, between those horse, those losses can maybe help you refine your skills or possibly retool your strategies to get to the victories. It's really no different than people in, in their personal lives. It really has the same bearing. Now, why does negative mood spark creativity? 
Well, one of the reasons I had, I had found here is that oftentimes it's easier for a person or an artist to focus on something more when they're upset, when maybe even they're enraged or they're sad or they're depressed, whatever you want to call this, we'll call it that negative mood, but all those things right there. It allows them to focus more. And we'll explain about the opposite side of this and, and why that works that way on the positive mood. But negative moods bring about focal points. And that's the part of this subsection here, focal points. All right? All right, so here's some interesting thing from a psychologist. His name is Eddie Harmon Jones. And this is what he says. I really, I really like this. Low motivation, that's, you know, negative moods, okay? Facilitate the search for new goals to pursue. Low motivation intensity might explain why boredom can spark creativity. When we're bored, two key things happen. First thing is that we call it a desire bind. When somebody is kind of stuck because they desperately want to do something, but they don't know how to do it. Secondly, there's a sort of a boredom in, in, in negativity. It's your mental capacity, and it's kind of shallow at the moment. It, it, and you now need to find a way to engage your mind. And that's what a lot of these negative moods do, is they push us. Because negative things often push us. Some of the negativity is based on fear. Uh, fear of not accomplishing your goals. Fear of not facing yourself. Fear of not facing your family or, or friends. Or even fear of not facing the world. And it, it allows you to build up in that push a way to focus on something. It's one of the reasons why negative moods can spark so much creativity. Let's give a couple of creative examples from some famous artists. I got two of them there. I mean, they're kind of rough, but they, they definitely help you. Uh, one is Caravaggio, one of, the, one of the greatest artists that ever lived. He was a deeply dark and complicated man, okay? He would work like two weeks straight on a painting. And, and it doesn't sound like a lot, two weeks, until you realize that the guy is literally doing like 20 hours a day for two weeks taking a break to go to the bathroom and, and grab a sandwich and drink something and go back to painting that's what this guy would do this mega intense stretches of painting work when he was done he wasn't crashing out he wasn't carousing with the girls he wasn't even out there drinking nope this guy would go into places in Rome to start physical fights all he liked to do is fight Fight everybody. Fight other artists, fight patrons who were in the bar, fight the police, anybody. All he would do was fight. Eventually, he killed a young man over some argument about a debt. Gambling debt. He fled to go to Naples. And you think, you know, maybe he'd start a new life and maybe he'd try to learn some regret from... No, <laughs> not Caravaggio. He goes back to fighting again. Eventually, he gets into a fight that disfigures him. And then later on, he dies from a fever. What a way to go. But there's a man that flamed out early because for some reason he didn't know how to stop fighting. All he did was fight. I know, it's, it's, it's just truly incredible how that, how that operates. But in the end, 
he had something in him. I don't know what you want to call it, uh, you know, depression or demons or something. But there was something in this guy that pretty much said, hey, I'm just going to keep fighting against this world. Because for some reason, you know, it, it's almost like he, he had to be against the world because somehow it was against him. And he had very dramatic paintings and... You know, who would expect that so much drama would be contained inside him? But nevertheless, it was. And, and uh, as you can see, to his detriment. Alright, next. Okay, uh, Goya, Spanish painter. Okay. He had a, a charmed life. He was a painter of celebrities. He painted all the rich members of the Spanish courts and... You know, he lived in a lovely place and had all the money he wanted and drank and just had an easy life, so to speak. Because that's, kind of that's the kind of work he wanted to do. So then he gets stricken down with some kind of illness and it causes him to go deaf. He does not handle deafness very well. He sinks into a deep depression and all he winds up doing is painting dark, depression, horrible things. He had a painting one time about a... That the god Saturn eating his sons, and he literally the painting is eating his sons. He painted stuff from the war, when 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 Spain went against a uh, war, uh, France, in in the war, he painted all kinds of people being killed and stabbed and all kinds of stuff. So here's a guy that went from a charmed life and somehow he goes deaf from a, a illness, and now he's he's mad and sad and. Definitely 10,000 miles from glad, you know? And that's what it does to this poor man until until he dies. He was never the same after that. And you can see the difference between the celebrity paintings and the paintings he did later on. Just abysmal and, and, and truly uh, tragic in every way possible. But that's what a negative mood did to this fellow. Sparked a different type of creativity in an entirely different direction. Alright. Now let's go on to here. Next. Now if negative moods spark creativity, why the heck do not happier moods do so? And here's some of the theories from that. Okay. One of them is simply this. All right, and I'm going to my second section here, which I call funny points. All right, happiness, which we're going to call the positive mood, is actually, in our in our physiological sense, similar to being drunk. You just want to enjoy the feeling for as long as it lasts. Happiness is the belief that you've reached a goal, and it's time now to react and party and celebrate. You know, there's no real creativity going on because creativity in its essence, its basic form is a form of communication. Uh, I, I, you might want to call it even a desperate outreach. But you're not interested in doing that when you're happy. You're not going to be communicating when you're happy because you are content when you're happy to being just content. You feel that you're already fulfilled, so to speak, in that moment. You just want to live it. It's like, you know, I just clocked out for the day and now I'm going to go have a beer and eat some pretzels and sit on the patio and, and watch the birds fly across the uh, the golf course. 
Does that sound like you're interested in plans or work or strategies or, or heavy thinking? No. So this is the reason why you would think through um, what they call the conventional wisdom of things in a logical form that when you were happier, you could do all this great creative stuff. And then when you're not happy, you're like, oh, I don't want to do nothing. But it's the opposite, actually, in the creative world. It's the negative moods. It's the disappointments. It's the sadness. It's the depression. It's all of those things that wind up pushing and motivating people to be creative. To, like that psychologist said, you search for new goals. It's almost like it's a, a, a way, creativity is a way to sort of like help if reverse or at least redeem all the negative things that you're going through or you're feeling or you're talking about. Where when you're happy, you don't feel you need to redeem anything. You already got something good. Happiness in many ways feels like a gift. Where negative moods and that negative cloud over your health, you're not feeling all that gift. You're feeling like it's not a blessing, but rather some form of a curse. And what do you do when if you feel you've been cursed by something? You're trying to find the soothsayer that can get you uh, the opposite result. You're trying to find the cure to that curse. You're trying to find the, the amulet, you know, or, or the, the, the symbol to, to neutralize it. You're trying to find the antidote to the evil that's been placed on you. So you're working towards something, creative or not, that's what you're doing. You're, you're being, you're pursuing something in order to get out of something. There's motivation there in negativity where in many ways, for people who are happier about things, they're not very motivated. Because they don't feel they need to. They're already where they're supposed to be at. They're already happy where they're at. They don't need to do any more than that. That's the unusual thing about it all. Is it really does fly in the face of, of logic and conventional wisdom. But hey, most of the times that's what creativity does. So I'm not really terribly surprised by that. <laughs> you know? If you think about it. And I, and I like to think about it. Why not, when these things happen to you, you know, why not try to change them into something else? I mean, this is what this uh, this psychologist had talked about here. Um, in fact, I got one over here I, I thought was very interesting in him saying that it's a good way when you have a negative uh, thought frame to be able to take the energy and the mental capacity from that and channel it into become to turn into something positive. So, in many ways, negative moods could be a, a strange. I wouldn't call them blessing because that, that's certainly not a good word for that. But I could say that definitely, you can you can use them to your advantage. You don't have to, you know, take the lemons. And, and, and go, ugh, when you could just squeeze those lemons and make lemonade. Corny as a cliche as it might be, it fits what we're talking about over here. Because it's about changing something that comes to you as crap and now creating something golden out of it. It's one of the human things that makes us so spectacular as human creatures compared to anything else in nature is that we're able to do something like this. Most animals can't do anything when something negative comes their way. Very little. They have to rely on whatever basic instinct, uh, nature or God, if you believe in that, has given them. 
or they're, they're relying on speed and camouflage, which, as you know, eventually, you know, doesn't work for every scenario, and now you're dead. But humans can do more. And I think that's one of the one of the real gifts about creativity in general is it helps us transform a life that can be at that time terrible, horrible, into something that maybe can be livable. Maybe that can even be a, a way to point somebody else in, in a positive direction. Now, I realize some from the examples that is gave to you about those two Darvises, they know what exactly people that, that chose that path. I can't tell you why, and I can't, I can't understand what the hell this guy kept wanting to fight all the time for. You know, that's, I don't know, that's, I don't even think he had a mental illness. I, I really, you have to wonder if he's just a, an angry person, period. You know, where the, the man who goes from a charmed life to allowing deafness to really crush him, I don't know why that would crush him. I mean, what do you need to hear? You're a damn painter. <laughs> you know, I'm not making fun of anybody here, but, uh, you know, last I checked, that uh, hearing is not important for painting. Only, only seeing was. I might understand if he, like, goes blind, you know, and, and, and kind of goes, uh, you know, off the edge, but he doesn't. You can still paint. You can still have a career. No one says he couldn't continue to do all those wonderful arts, uh, portraits he did in the, in the court and everything. Got me why he decided to choose that way. Hard to know why certain things uh, make people uh, snap. But he wasn't an example of trying to turn the positive from the deaf. He didn't in terms of his personal life. But what he did do, and this is how I have to look at it as, you know, still something constructive, is he continued to paint. He didn't stop painting when he went deaf. He just stopped painting the more frivolous stuff, and now he went to some serious stuff. The mythology and the darkness and the war and all of that. Almost like some of the things he was feeling inside for whatever reason, uh, he was able to put on, on canvas. So he never stopped painting. He just stopped being happy. And that, that is pretty sad if you think about it. But that's not where we need to go when these standard things happen to us and it's certainly not what the show is all about stay dark and you'll be great you know something like that because not only is that not good advice it doesn't make a lot of sense really <laughs> because in the end one of the gifts of creativity is that it helps us to understand not only something about the world but maybe even something about ourselves I don't know why those particular people did not take it from there and try to learn something about themselves and, and, and try to improve themselves or at least put themselves in a better position where they'll at least have a measure of, uh, of happiness or, or sanity or clarity or whatever you want to call it that would have helped stabilize them. They didn't. Others have. There are plenty others that have. Or there are others like, like Hemingway that, you know, that fought all the way through it trying to fight his mental illness and try to all the, do the, all the things that he possibly can do. You know, and I, I know they got a show that's coming up on him, and you'll hear about all the terrible things that he was as a person. But and and those are facts. But don't forget about all the mental illness that he was fighting, and all the things he was trying to do to correct that. And who knows where a lot of his, you know, his twisted humanity came from. You know, dealing with the with the horrible uh, mental illness that seemed to have afflicted his entire family lineage 
for like I think a century. So in, in his particular case, his mental illness was was genetic. So it's just uh, an incredible journey for that for that poor man. But that's a man that fought it the best he can. And and there's plenty of others, of course. You know, um, a, a good example is you get somebody like Helen Keller that you know they learn to. Uh, to use Braille and, and, and be blind and still have a life and still teach and lecture to people and still write books in Braille and, and do things, and do things that are positive and do things that are worthwhile that help change the world. I mean, people to this day, you know, rely on some of the things that Helen Keller taught more than 100 years ago. Hell, I think it's 130 years, actually. So there you go with somebody that can take some kind of... Uh, supposed uh, you know, tragedy or supposed limitation and make something wonderful and beautiful and, and vital out of it. So we can do the same thing as artists too. We don't have to go down the negative path. In fact, in many ways, when I talk about the negative mood, I am talking about the times that when we just feel that way and how we, it can help spark our creativity. That's really what the show is about. And to try to do whatever we can to get something useful out of it something creative out of it, maybe even eventually something positive out of it. Because we're going to have all, we're all going to have these moments, you know, and I don't, I don't mind telling you that I can probably count on the, my hand how many times that, you know, I was happy or joyous about something and, and did something creative out of that. It doesn't happen very often. I mean, I'll do editing and I'll even do some writing, especially nonfiction when I'm content. But uh, if I'm super happy about something that's going on, no, I'm like most other people. I don't feel, I just don't feel the desire or, or the urge or, or the need, you know. And and that's what it may be that we don't do creativity, or maybe we don't do our best creativity until we do feel a need. And maybe more times than not, we don't feel that need until the negative mood comes, until the bad dream happens until the you know tragedy comes along or, or the disaster or the accident or you know just the bad day and then we're like wow maybe it's there to remind us about what we could have been working on before we didn't and now we got something that kind of pushes us that way but it seems that creativity has to have a need and a need is really what the spark is that's really what the code word is on this show. Why negative moods spark creativity. It's almost like why may negative moods need creativity. They seem to have a real relationship because there's no doubt about from all the studies I read and from the psychologists that I had, that I had reviewed with and of course from even my own uh, interpretation of it and, and talking to other writers as well that there is a firm connection between uh, the negative moods we have and how that can jumpstart you know, our writing and, and our thinking about creativity and, and maybe even some of the thoughts or, or some of the ideas that later on we can build on. You know, I've known people who've told me that, yeah, I had just a crappy day and the next thing you know I'm writing down some notes that are really good and super creative and I go back to finally relaxing and canceling out to it and then I can look at it later on and see wow that's great now I can start working on that so it's almost like the negativity it allowed you to finally have something born it, it, it's like it, 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 
It helped you conceive it. It even helped you bring it to birth. And then after that, it ran away again. And now, now you got to figure out what to do next. But you couldn't get that until all that was happening. Without trying to sound, you know, gross here. Obviously, you you can't raise the, the child until the child's born, which means that you know there's a physical act that's necessary for conception. Okay, I, I know. People can get it done with test tubes now, too. But I'm talking about metaphor here, okay? There's nothing uh, very poetic about test tubes, okay? But there is about reproduction. So it's almost like the, that negative... I wouldn't say feeling, but that negative cloud, that, that dark cloud that comes with it. It's almost like it's necessary to push what we need to get pushed up to front before we can start working on it. It allows that seed to to be planted and it allows that seed to grow and it allows that seed even to be born. And then you kind of go from there. So it, it, in itself, it, it is an interesting mystery. But it makes more sense now, now that we look at it and try to deconstruct it more on why the negative moods have more of an impact on creativity than the positive moods. Now we see that. Without trying to simplistic explain it or, or just completely generalize it down to some common denominator, negativity gives us a kick and positivity kind of puts us to sleep practically. So there is real, uh, there's real uh, differences there in terms of how each uh, really interact in, in, our, in our psyche or maybe even in, in our heart and our soul because I have no doubt that when you're thinking about creativity, you're also thinking about it and you're feeling it almost in the spiritual sense of something gnawing out of you that wants to reach out. It wants to make communication. It wants to understand more that's, that's going on. You know, it wants to maybe even state its case. Maybe it wants to say to the universe, I am innocent, so why is this happening to me? Common refrain for a lot of people. Um, it might just want to burst out with a, a scream of anger and profanity about the unfairness of life or the the injustice in the universe. You know, the cosmic, you know, pain that that seems to come to people from from time to time. You know, and it's not unusual even for an artist to say, you know, why me? Why must I go through this? And, and that's because we're human. We we have to have those feelings. But as artists, we're tasked with a greater responsibility than the average person because now we're, people are expecting us to you know give some answers to why me? Why has this happened? What can I do with this? How do I stand up again? How do I become just as strong as before? Is it a way to even be stronger? Like Nishi says, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful quote from him. And I'm sure that there's plenty of times, you know, that something horrible can happen to a person and they come back stronger. But there are also plenty of times, like we see with Goya, you know, an illness causes him to be deaf and now he just falls apart for the next 30 years. So apparently... Uh, it didn't kill him, but it did not make that guy stronger. It made him weaker in many ways. And I don't know why or how, but that's what it did. So 
There's no universal. It doesn't kill you. It'll make you stronger. That sounds cool. Maybe it's uh, one of those uh, bumper sticker type of things. But there's not a lot of 100% truth to it because it can go the other way. Where it is definitely true, and you can see not only in the meaning, but you can see in, in, in the, the visualization of the logic of it all is, you're right, a stone cannot be polished without friction. Uh, you can't polish the stone without friction. Now, stones can only be polished in two ways. First, the natural way. Running over the course of hundreds or thousands of years, water running over a stone will make it like really smooth. There you go, but it's the friction of the water that's doing that. The rubbing it and rubbing it, rubbing it, smoothing it out and taking away stuff from it until it's completely smooth. Okay? Or you can have uh, some kind of grindstone where you're grinding that thing to make it polished. And just like this, a person perfected without, person cannot be uh, perfected without adversity. You really can't. There's simply no way that a human being is well-rounded if all they've ever experienced was the positive, the successes, and the overwhelming, you know, blessings of life. But they don't know anything about death. They don't know anything about losing something. They don't know anything about not having something for a while. Whether that's money or their mother or Uncle Charlie or food or whatever. So adversity really helps us to understand not only something about the human condition, but also something about ourselves. Something that says, I can make this day without eating. I can go six hours in this hike without water until I get some. You know, I can get through this road with this big gash on my leg. Because I know I'm going to be able to be around until I can get some treatment. I can suffer the loss of four baseball games even though I felt I'd done my best because I'm still trying to analyze what can be done better by myself and my team believing that we're going to eventually have victory when we discover the answer making that victory that much sweeter that much more exciting that much more prized I mean you think about it if you win every single game and then you win the championship, it's hard to really feel that you've done anything other than, wow, was this so great? And you just don't have a way to evaluate things. As easy as when you win the championship and you wasn't supposed to win. You had a bunch of losses, you barely made it, and then you win it. It feels that much more grand and spiritual and almost like, cosmically worthy of what you've just grabbed out of the blue from some place no one expected and you did it it feels like the adversity made you stronger made you smarter made you faster definitely made you more worthy to attain the prize and so it's really no different with writing we need to make sure that when we are writing that we're trying to find ways to not only reach out to ourselves and the world or maybe others, but try to find something worthy in that moment. Even if the moment seems to be terrible, even if the moment that you're writing about is dark, make sure that it has clarity. Make sure that it has a strong element of truth. Make sure that it has some kind of an impact. Even if it's a bad impact, 
Make sure it has it, though. Something that wasn't there before. Something they're not expecting. Something that, that deep down inside you needed to say for your own release. For your own edification. I'm not claiming that every poem or every play or anything else that everybody writes has to always be some incredible array of redeeming values. No. You don't have to do that. But artistically, it has to be on the money. It has to make its point. It has to have a message. It should have some depth. It should feel that, wow, this guy went inside his soul that at that time was full of snakes and he punched a couple of those snakes in the head to finally get that diamond. And he had to go through all of that to get that diamond and pull it out. That's what makes creativity, in my opinion, almost otherworldly. Almost like it's a spiritual dimension. Because in so many ways, not only does creativity test and even refine your humanity, sometimes creativity can allow you for a moment to jump over your humanity into another place beyond that. In order to reach a place that you don't get to very often. Whether you might want to call it the, you know, the deep psyche or the spiritual land or another, you know, dimension, that's fine. But someplace beyond humanity is where all creativity should ultimately end up. And for all we know, it's really where it eventually comes from. And gets filtered down through all different ways so we can finally reach pieces of it to put together our own, you know, creative passages and maybe even our own creative lives. So I always think it's so interesting to, uh, to talk a little bit about if there's a spiritual dimension to writing. I really think that there is. And I definitely want to do a show about more about that when I do a little bit more research, you know, through the ages to see what others have thought and see what others might even try to experiment with. But I really find it as interesting. And you don't need to be a, a somebody that, that understands religion or cares about religion or even believes in a God to still accept that there could be some kind of spirituality going on. Even if it's something that's science and cosmic related. That's fine. We'll call it something different on that as well. But there could be something more than just humanity involved. Well, folks, that is it for Why Negative Mood Spark Creativity, episode 194. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, your host. I, I wish you well uh, through all this pandemic stuff that's going on. I know some places have been re-shuttered re and re-locked down, so try to stay positive through all of this until it's over with, because it will be over with, so we can move on with our own lives beyond just being in, in one place. I hope the show helps people in the meanwhile. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. You take care, and thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.